Good morning, Christian Layman Church. Um, two weeks ago, we talked about something amazing that happened to Israel. And it is something that, oh man, I just wish would happen for us too. Uh, the Jews, for the first time in hundreds of years, had a revival. And, oh man, we so desperately need that too. Um, you guys, it is so hard to be a Christian in the Bay Area. Do, do you all agree? You know what I mean? Um, and let me just be honest, right? Um, in eight months from now, my family will be on the mission field. We're going to be in Taiwan, which for us is like, you know, a strange place. And what I'm thinking is that it's going to be easier to be a Christian on the mission field than it is to be one in the Bay Area, because like when you're on missions every day, you wake up in a strange place and you know why you're there. But in the Bay Area, you, you wake up and you got, you know, all these comforts and all these distractions and they kind of pull your heart in different directions. And then your love for God grows cold. Man, it's hard to be close to God living in the Bay Area. And so you got to believe it was hard for the Jews as well to be close to God. And so for hundreds of years, they were, you know, uh, depressed and demoralized and kind of spiritually lost. And so God, in this moment, we're talking, you know, chapter eight gives them a revival, a beautiful revival. Now we're in chapter nine, okay? And what we're doing here in chapter nine is we're leaning in as we listen to the Jews pray. We're leaning in. And as we're leaning in and, and listening to them pray, um, we're starting to feel uncomfortable. Um, but this is the way back to God. Yeah, we're watching the Mandalorian. This is the way, you know, this is the way back to God. Um, so let's go. Starting in verse six of this prayer. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens with all their host the earth and all that is on them, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. And the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made with him the covenant to give his offspring the land, verse nine. And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers. And you made a name for yourself as it is to this day. And you divided the sea before them so that they went through the mist of the sea on dry land. 
and you cast their pursuers into the depths as a stone into mighty waters. By a pillar of cloud, you led them in the day and by a pillar of fire in the night to light for them the way in which they should go. You came down on Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. Okay, so what is going on here? Well, the Jews, they're remembering who they are and where they've been. They're remembering in prayer their story. This is their story. And the story goes like this. God, the creator of the universe, chose for himself a people, okay? That's their story. And he saw their suffering in Egypt, and he split the sea open to bring a people for his own glory. And so they have this, like, covenant with God, and it's a solemn and binding oath But it's more than that. It's a love relationship. Like at the very heart of it, it's a love relationship. It's sacred. You know, you're all with me? Well, um, so this is beautiful so far. It's about who God is. And because of who God is, it's who they are. And it's, it's awesome, right? Well, in verse 16, things start to take a drastic turn. So let's go there. Okay, 16. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. Now in prayer, they're kind of doing this. They're kind of going, Oh, also you remember, Hey, Hey, you remember when we were about to enter the promised land and our spies came back with a bad report about how big the people in the land were and we chickened out and we lost faith and we wanted to appoint like Bob to bring us back to Egypt, right? Like back into slavery. Remember that? So a turn You know, here's the narrative. God made a sacred, binding love relationship covenant with us, and we broke it. Now, now what we did in verse 17 is pretty bad, but arguably what we did in verse 18 is even worse. Verse 18, even when they made for themselves a golden calf and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt, and committed great blasphemies. So, okay, check this out. Now they're telling the story, their story, where, remember that time when Moses went up to the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments? Remember that time? And and uh, he was getting the covenant, you know, in writing, right? And while he was doing that in the on the mountain with God, we were at the base of the mountain, And we made this golden calf and we all started to bow down to it. Oh, that's pretty bad. You know, it's like sleeping with another person on the day of your engagement. And so uh, at this point, you are thinking, all right, 
We did that, right? And so this covenant between God, the sacred covenant between God and his people, right out the gate has been broken. So boom, it's over, right? It's over. So, right? I mean, so a lot is kind of like riding on how God responds. Now let's go to 17b. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And then in verse 19, you in your great mercies, you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. Okay, now let me just tell you, um, this is how the rest of the prayer and the story goes. It's a repeating pattern for the rest of the chapter, for the rest of the prayer. And it goes, it goes like this, you know, we did bad, but you, you did good to us in return. We, we, and we did bad again and broke the covenant, but you did good and you were faithful. And then it continues in verse 25. Now, again, I'd encourage us all to lean in because there are definitely Bay Area implications in verse 25, okay? Now, now, so in verse 25, and they captured fortified cities and a rich land and took possession of houses full of all good things, cisterns already hewn, vineyards, olive orchards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled <laughs> and became fat. <laughs> uh, I, I, okay, anyway. And delighted themselves in your great goodness. So they had comfort in the promised land, you know, Bay Area. Can you, can you, can you, can you feel that? They had comfort. They were blessed. They, they got like, you know, COVID-19 fat, right? They got, and, and they had it so good, right? Now, what do you think they did next? They broke covenant again. They, they were disobedient. Uh, I'm going to say we, we were disobedient. We rebelled. We, we killed the prophets. And as a consequence, the, the people are, are punished and they go into exile and you think like, okay, now the story should be over. They broke covenant again, covenant over, right? No. God brings them back to Israel. And now at this moment, he gives them revival because he's good. He gives them revival. You know why? Because of verse 32. Now, I'm going to double down on verse 32, okay? Because our God is the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. Can I hear you say, who keeps covenant? All right, let's just stop right there. Um. That, that is um, the history of the people of God. And if you are a person of faith in Christ, that is part of your legacy. It's like, so let me just ask you, how are you feeling right about now? 
for a lot of us, this is kind of a bummer chapter. Like you're not having a good time listening to this chapter. Uh, in, in high school, I played football and we were unbelievable. I got to say unbelievable. We had a straight record. And what I mean by that is that we lost every single game we played. Now, you might have never heard me talk about my, my time on this losing team. And the reason is because I don't care to relive that time in my life, how we lost every single game, how we sucked, you know? I, so being in that audience, can you imagine like, one of us, you know, raising your hand and going, um, excuse me, Ezra, Nehemiah, can we not do this? Because I'm uh, feeling pretty hopeless right now. And it sounds like we just never make progress. Now, <clears throat> listen to me. I want to assure you that what the Jews are doing is a really good thing. Because... Maybe you should feel hopeless about the wrong thing. Like if you hope in your own ability to be good, you are hoping in the wrong thing. Maybe you should feel hopeless about your own ability to be good. Your own ability to be good just won't get you very far. Look at the track record. But, if your hope is in God who keeps his covenant, now we are finally making progress. You see, our hope is not in our own ability to do good. Our hope is in the Lord who keeps his covenant. When I was 14 years old, I became a Christian and, um, and I had a girlfriend. And my mentor said to me, Andrew, God wants you to love him with your first love. And so he asked me, he challenged me. He said, Andrew, would you be willing to give up your girlfriend if God asked you to? And I said, yes, but in my heart, I said, no. And I went home and I was really depressed, but that's okay because a couple months later, she broke up with me. <laughs> I wasn't laughing at the time, but um, it happened. Five years later, I went to go see my mentor again. And he was mentoring me and this other guy named Tim. And he, at the end of our time, he looks at me and he says, Andrew, look at Tim. And I looked at Tim and he said, I have no doubt that Tim loves Jesus more than anything. I don't feel that way about you. And you know something? He was absolutely right. He couldn't be more right. Like my whole life, I I'm, just, I'm just chasing after other things. You know, I wanted good grades. I wanted a girlfriend. I wanted to be successful. But God was never my first love or my first pursuit. I mean, just being honest. And so I, I would read the scriptures and I, and I knew that God desired and was worthy of my first love. But I just, I just wasn't able or wasn't willing to give that to him. And so deep down inside, I, I always felt like as a Christian, I was a failure. And I carried that around for, for a long time. And then finally at age 30, I'm listening to this message from Jack Deere. 
and he was talking about loving Jesus with all of your heart and wanting nothing more than life than Jesus himself and a close walk with Jesus. And I was just like, oh, I just cut to the heart. So I'm going to tell you what I did, okay? I had a moment like the Israelites did. I went home and I took a shower. I took a four-hour shower, all right? But this is, you know, like before California droughts and stuff, okay? So it was, it was okay. Um, and I just kept on crying out to God the same thing over and over again. And it was like this. For four hours, I was like, I am so sick and tired of always failing you, always failing you. I want to love you with all my heart, but I just don't trust myself. Help me, help me, because you're worthy of all of my heart. And for four hours, I'm just crying out to God, help me, help me, fill me, fill me. Now, I got to tell you, that was a turning point for my life. Like, in a sense, it was awesome. But the, the, the point of awesome came when I realized I don't have it in me to love God by myself. I have a long history, just like the Israelites, of breaking covenant with God. And so my hope is not in myself. My only hope is in God who keeps his covenant, even when I don't. So, man... We are, we are here in the Bay Area, and it is hard to love God like that, right? It's hard. It's, it's hard to stay sexually pure, and it's, it's hard to, like, when you have free time to choose your, your Bible in an age of Netflix. It's, it's hard to desire God more than anything. It's, it's hard to love people who are poor when you don't see them and you're surrounded by comfort, it's, it's hard to share about Jesus when you feel like nobody wants to listen. But here's the thing. Our hope for new life is not in our own ability to do good. Our hope is in God who keeps his covenant. Amen. Okay. Let me put it like this. Can you, can you all see this bottle? Okay, this bottle, um, uh, right now, it's, it's empty. Um, this represents you um, or me. This is, okay. And so at age 30, um, <laughs> I, um, I, I took a four-hour shower, all right? And then, and God just filled me up. Just filled me up. Okay, y'all hear that? There you go, right there to the top. Okay, now, um, now for you, maybe this happened in college, or I don't know, maybe it happened like last month or something, or last year. But, but you you were filled with the the presence and the goodness of God. All right, but then okay, now the, here is the problem again. Oh, let me see. The the problem is this. The problem. Oh, oh, <laughs> the. The problem is that, um, <laughs> man, I, I, this can't hit my computer. All right. The problem is that we, we leak. We, um, 
we have a big leakage problem. You know, you know what I'm saying? Um, so what do you do? Because pretty soon we find ourselves running on empty. What do you, what do you do now? Um, what, here's what you don't do. You don't go, Oh, there's no problem. Um, I can hold water by myself. You know, I can be close to God and love God and, and live the life he's calling me to live all by myself. No, no, that's, you're not being honest, right? So what do you do? And uh, what you got to do is you got to go, we got a big problem. I leak really badly. And I come from a people who leak really badly. And you go, God, I can't be full of your goodness to live the life you're calling me to live and to be close to you unless you fill me. Um, cause, cause my hope, our hope is, has never been in my own ability to be good or my own ability to love God. Our hope is in God who keeps his covenant. So what you do is every day you pray you read his word, you confess sin, and you wait on him. And every day, <laughs> every day, God gives you what you need. Now, yeah, I mean, yeah, you are, you are leaking. But every day, God is filling you up. And, um, <laughs> man, this doesn't look good. Um, Okay, you you get the you get the idea. Let me. I'm just going to hold the. You know, I, I'm not going to send you the problem right here. But the point is, every day God fills you, and yeah, you're leaking. But every day you go to His Word. Every day you pray. Every day you confess and you say, God, I need you. And because God is faithful, He's a He's a covenant keeping God. He fills you with what you need. So you might leak. But God is good and he fills you up. It reminds me of what Paul said. He said, outwardly, we are wasting away, but inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. This is our hope. You know, we raise our hands up to heavens and our hope is in the God who keeps his covenant. Now, does anyone want to know how the book of Nehemiah ends? Well, let me just uh, give you a really fast version, okay? The Jews reaffirm their commitment with God. That's the next chapter. That's chapter 10. And then in the last few chapters, especially the last chapter, it seems like they start to break the covenant again, you know? Um, Arguably, it's not as big as before, but they still start to break it. So you're like, what does that mean? (laughs) Well, it means our hope was never in our own ability to do good. It has always been on the God who keeps his covenant. And so 400 years, this covenant keeping God sends his own son, his own son. And his, his son dies on the cross. And through his death, you and I, if, if you believe in him, 
you have been forgiven forever. That, that, that track record of breaking covenant has all been forgiven. And so you have a new identity of forgiven for all the times that you failed, all the times that I have failed. And through his death, we have received the Holy Spirit, you know? And uh, so we have something the Jews did not. Every day, we have the opportunity to say, God, because you are a covenant-keeping God, fill me with your word and your spirit. Our hope has always been on God who keeps his God bless you all.